Thanks for joining us for the Westbridge Church Podcast. More information about Westbridge Church is available at westbridgedanville.com. Here's this week's message from Pastor John McDougall. Isn't that exciting? Yeah, it makes you want to... Uh, it made me want to just pray. We've seen it. We know what we need to do. Let's go be a blessing, right? <laughs> And the other impression that I had as I listened to that and seeing Tina representing really all of you, many of you who are out there being a light, is I love his church. And it reminds us to be praying for each other and sending each other with his compassion to pray for one another, encourage one another. The need is great, but there's hope. And what a cool way to sync up with our Go Bless initiative, Thanksgiving offering, and as a church family, to get to play a part of that, and I was just thinking, I love his church. Last week, the opportunity we have to, to be a part of the refugee crisis, or to help with that, with Fred and his ministry, and then today, um, this idea of just syncing up with the schools, and appreciate the opportunity to join with them, and the ministry, Care to Change, and Avon as, as well. So thank you. Um, it doesn't happen without, without you. It's a team thing. And what an exciting opportunity it is to go be a blessing. So we're praying, make, Lord, would you make us a blessing? It's happening. And I thought it would be good just to pause for a moment and thank the Lord for some of the ways it is. Last Sunday night, it was so neat to watch us as a church family. You gather in the gym. Hurricane Gale winds coming through here for our trunk or treat. So we moved it inside, and everybody was just flexible, went with it, and having fun in that gym as a church family, it was a neat picture, but then just your hospitality and love to open up your arms to, to our community and to be creative, and, and uh, yeah, it was just such a, a neat night. So thanks to everyone who was a part of that. And then our, uh, another Go Bless highlight that's in motion right now is our middle school basketball. And opening up our gym, 49 basketball players and then their families, we have an opportunity to bless over the next couple weeks. And so a huge thank you to our coaches, our commissioners. As a church family, we want to be surrounding these guys and girls in prayer as they serve. And then one more Go Bless highlight that we need to celebrate before the snow flies is the team that just gives week in and week out, often without being seen in the realm of keeping our campus looking great and looking beautiful. And it's, we call them our green team. It's our mowing team and our landscape team. But we talk about, okay, whatever we do, doxology, let's do it for the glory of God, whether we eat, drink, work, play. And that also includes how we care for the resources that God's given us. And as a church family, the outside is often the only thing that people who aren't a part of our church, the only message they get in terms of that what we do matters, and we seek to do it with excellence for God's glory. And, and so it's this team who week in and week out are serving. This is the mowing team led by Levi Yol. And then our, uh, our landscape team is led by Daryl and Rhonda Mackey, and they care for the shrubs and uh, flowers and trees and all those things. So can we just thank these guys and girls? Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine, and it's happening. So thank you for, for the part you're playing. This, uh, I was thinking about this journey of, of faith, and just the moment that we open really 
our hearts up to the, the truth claims that Jesus made, where Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And we, we study out his life through the, the eyewitness accounts that we have through his word. And the moment that we put our faith and trust in him, what we receive is one blessing after another. Scripture describes it. And one of those blessings is the blessing of belonging. As we come to faith in Christ, we believe he is who he is, he died for our sin, he rose from the grave, and he offers eternal life to everyone who believes. The moment that we receive that as our own, we become part of a family where his love beats in our hearts for each other. And I love the way the New Testament writers, the one word they use all again and again is brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters. And so we understand it. it's not just about believing as we follow Christ, it's about belonging. And it takes some risk to step into a relationship with each other. But when we do, that's when God's grace, we experience it flowing to us and through us. The vehicle for our church family is the small group, and everyone's invited to be a part of a small group. But before even small group, there's that idea of, of membership. And this is that just step of commitment where we step in and we just say, you know what? I'll belong, but I'll also be a part of serving and a part of owning what's going on here. The, uh, and so the next step in that is our Connect 101 course. A couple times a year we offer this. And if you have been coming to our church and you're like, you know what, not a part of a church, I'm thinking about it, may I encourage you just to, to join us? It's 9 o'clock next Sunday in the youth room. It's an interactive time, helpful information, and just a... Uh, really that next step where you can learn about who we are. We're praying for 100 new teammates to come alongside and help us carry out the mission that God's given us. And so if you don't have a church home, we just know we'd love to have you. The, uh, I was thinking about that, that process of believing and then stepping into the warmth of belonging. And in small group, the scene that Immediate or it came to my mind, it's one of the small group moments that's so it was over at Kevin and Tina Noe's house. We were circled up. We, we like to say rows are good, but circles are better. And we were circled up. We had just enjoyed a delicious meal. The sun was setting, and we're going through God's word and also sharing just what's going on with us in life. And that moment for me represents that little taste of heaven. Life here is not perfect, and our relationships aren't perfect. We have great moments, we have hard moments, but God promises his grace for every moment. And one of the ways he gives us his grace is, is through each other. And it's just awesome, isn't it, how you can't orchestrate it. It's a spirit, you know, and he just starts doing what he does, and he gives us what we need for the next step. But somewhere along that way, we, we realize, okay, I, I, I'm not just here to believe and belong, but he's given me something to share as well. And that's where we begin to own it and own what, what uh, our part to play in the, the body of Christ. And there was a moment I was, I was thinking about our mowing team and just how these guys are owning it in terms of caring for our facilities. And there was a moment that happened this past summer that captures, illustrates this so well. And it was back on hole number six of our disc golf course. And that course is open for the community. At every hole, there's a rock that hopefully helps point people to Christ. It gives them a little truth and encourages them in their golf game, maybe. 
But uh, hole number six, a tree fell over, and one of the guys that was mowing, Brad Legan, uh, came to that tree. And what do you do when you come to a tree that's in the fairway? You just mow around it and go on, right? Unless it's your house, right? If, if, if a tree falls at your house, it's your problem. So what do you do? And he went, got his chainsaw, cut it up, burned it up. He's a fire guy, so it was kind of fun for him that day. But, <laughs> but, but I thought, that's owning it, right? And what's neat was that was worship for the body of Christ. And that helps now hole number six is back open, blessing the disc golfers in our community because a member of the body owned it. And that's kind of these, this idea of membership, really, and, and uh, invite you to, to be a part. Everybody has been gifted to play a part, and so we'd love to, to have you as well. All right, well, let's, uh, last week, as we, we came to part number four in this Pure series, we left really off at a, what I, as I was thinking about it this way, it felt like a vista. When you, you're out on vacation and you, you drive to a scenic overlook and you stop, you get out, and this beautiful scene and for us, it was in the spiritual realm where Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And that longing in our soul where we realize there's this gap between who God calls me to be, who I am, and Jesus said, if you hunger for it, you can actually begin to make progress in doing the right thing with the right heart for the glory of God. And live that out. And it's like, yeah. The, the hunger was birthed. We, we grow as we take God's word. We crave it, and then we, we change as he calls us to do this or that. We put off, we put on. But wasn't that a beautiful picture of just, like, this is possible. Let's pursue it. And as we grow in our, our righteousness, we become a blessing to those around us. Well, today we come to a moment that really is the great threat of pursuing righteousness. There's a unique threat that we face as followers of Christ, the, the people who aren't chasing righteousness, they could care less about, and it's not a threat to their soul. It's as common as the, the common cold, but deadly in terms of what it can do to us and our ability to, or our capacity to be a blessing to those around us. We'll call it Simon's sickness, and we'll look at it diagnosed. Then we'll, it's a, a warning that we hear Jesus say, then we'll watch it play out in Simon's life, and then we'll talk about the remedy and and apply that to our life. So the, the warning is found over in Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. And again, Jesus is, we're here in his Sermon on the Mount, teaching us um, what it looks like to live the blessed life, how to do that. And we come to verse 6, middle of the message, and he says this, be careful. Be careful. Now when God says, be careful, when the Creator is looking at us and says, hey, Watch out. Be careful. I'm listening, right? I mean, this is a warning. This is to get our attention. There is a threat. And here he's saying, be careful. Say, well, what is the threat? And we read on, be careful not to practice your righteousness. So that's what we were talking about last week, this desire to, to do the right thing, to do good, the, the, to go be a blessing to those around us. He says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them, if you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So that's the summary statement. Then he starts to go into some particulars. We'll cover one today. It's our giving. He says, verse 2, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as, as the hypocrites. And the hypocrite is somebody who 
is really acting, putting on its theater. It's, they're doing one thing, but really their heart is not connected with, with what they're doing. He says, don't do it like, like the hypocrites who, uh, in the, who uh, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets. And here's the key phrase to circle in your Bible, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you that they have received their reward in full. And so what is this sickness that, that Jesus warns us of? We'll call it Simon's sickness. What's the diagnosis? It's a heart that is tainted with the motive to promote self, to be honored by others as we do good. This is that desire that we all struggle with, but you stop and think about it. God gives us the capacity to do good, to do right. Through his word, he guides us. He, he's really transformed us to do right. And yet there is this tendency where as we set out to do good, we're tempted to take a cut of the glory that belongs only to God as we think about who's watching, who's listening, who will notice, who will appreciate this. The unique threat to pursuing righteousness, the, the, really the, the, the more passionately we pursue righteousness, the greater the danger that as we do right, we would use our righteousness, our good, to actually worship the idol of self, elevate self, take a cut of the glory that's meant only for God. And you stop and think about one, the sickness of this, that God has given us this ability to do right, right? It's, I mean, he's given us this ability that we would go and use this ability, this capacity to do right and seek the honor that is meant only for God as we do right. And it's hard because what happens when you start to do right? <laughs> what makes this a unique danger to pursuing righteousness when you start to do right at work, usually what happens? When you start to become a, a hard worker, your boss says, awesome. When you start to do right with your colleagues, when you take a hit, put, it, put others above yourself, and you start to love your colleagues like Christ loves you, they start to like you. They start to praise you. They start to thank you. When you do right here at church, when you step in to fill a need and serving in the nursery, serving here, serving there, what happens? We applause and praise and appreciation, and we we're given this cup of honor, and we can sip it. It's not wrong to appreciate it and thank you, and, but we start to sip it, and it can so easily become the motive through which we seek to, to, to do the righteousness that we do. So many of us have been impacted by a person who was righteous, right? They, they like preached a message, or they spoke a word of encouragement to us that changed our lives, and we're like, I want to be great like that. I want to be that person. And it's, it's not really the glory of God we're seeking. It's we want to be great like that. We want to be used like that in someone else's life, that someone else would look at us and say, wow, you changed my life. And it's sickness. It's like I'm using a good thing that God has given me to actually feed my ego and worship at the idol of self. We've all felt it. The bad news is that we're all infected with this, and if left unchecked, it can destroy our capacity to go bless. Because God 
he can't allow it to continue on. And so in Acts chapter 8 is one of the gifts to us. It's a warning passage. Early church, it's written to, to us as followers of Christ to check us up, to help us through this. And it's where we see the sickness at, at play in Simon's heart. This is not Simon Peter, but Simon of Samaria. And it was the early church. It was, the church was just birthed. But the uh, believers were being persecuted in Jerusalem. So they're scattering. And one of the first places they scattered to is Samaria. Remember, Samaria was like a neighboring uh, community. They were not liked by those in, in uh, Jerusalem. But the gospel goes there. Specifically, this guy named Evangelist Philip shares the gospel. People are believing it. And we uh, pick up the story over in Acts chapter 8, verse 9. It says, now for some time a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. And here's the key phrase. He boasted that he was someone great. I'd circle that. So he's sipping this uh, whole thing of seeking to be great, honor coming his way. And all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention, their respect, their honor, as they exclaimed, this man is rightly called the great power of God. So he's enjoying his place on the pedestal as the great power of God. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. But when they believed Philip and he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women, and Simon himself believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. And this is an interesting side note. What was he chasing? When he came to Christ, what was his heart's desire? And I think that gives us a clue, the great signs and wonder, wonders that he saw. So when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word, they sent Peter and John, two of the disciples, to Samaria. And when they arrived, they prayed that, for the new believers that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on them, on any of them. And they had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And I know this raises some questions for us today. How do we receive the, the indwelling Spirit of God in, in this day and age? And it's important as you study Acts to remember this is not a book that, that lays out clear practices and, and doctrine, really, for us. It, we see principles and patterns to follow, but this is Luke telling us what happened in the early church. And whenever God start something new. We call it, call it a dispensation. The ministry of the Spirit is often unique in that time. We saw it in the Old Testament with as Israel left Egypt. We see it here. When the Spirit was first given, do you remember how it was given in Acts 2? Tongues of fire upon the, those who were praying in that upper room and a loud wind comes through. I mean, it's, it's a unique manifestation of God's Spirit on them. Here when the gospel goes to Samaria, Unique manifestation. The, the way that the Spirit was given was the, the apostles laying hands on the believers there. So they were saved, they came to faith, they were baptized, and then on, through the laying on of the apostles' hands, one of the 12 disciples, they received the Holy Spirit. It changes again. In Acts chapter 9, 10, we see where the Spirit is given. First, someone comes to faith in Christ, then the Spirit is, is given to them, then they're baptized. And that's what we see in today today's um, pattern. And we know it through the rest of the New Testament writings that we receive the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation to empower us to do what God's called us to. So anyway, but that's not the point really of this. The point is, 
Simon's heart, watch this. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. And Peter's harsh here when he says, you can feel the urgency and the importance as he says this, may your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Say, so, well, what's wrong with this heart? He says, repent and of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that, that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. You say, what, what sin? Your heart is not right. Pray, repent. Um, that prayer that we're praying, create in me a pure heart. What's the issue in Simon's heart? What's the sickness? That he would use the gift of God for his glory. His desire to have this gift to gain honor. And it's a, a sickness we battle as well, isn't it? We see him and you just, it, that, I don't know if that story checks you up. When I first read that, it's like, whoa. It leads us to confess and it leads us to say, okay, is there hope? How, how do I develop in a heart that beats with a pure motive so I'm not, as I do good, I'm doing it purely for this person, their good and God's glory, and not for my own glory? How, how do I develop? And that's where we look to the words of Jesus. He gives us a picture of it, and it's a, a neat picture. It's a picture that sticks back to Matthew chapter 4, 3 and 4. Jesus says, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Isn't that a great picture? What's Jesus saying? He's calling us to be so forgetful of self, just pursue this kind of, as we do righteousness, as we go to bless, be so forgetful of self that it would be like, my left hand doesn't even know what my right hand is doing. I'm not even faintly concerned with myself. I'm just focused on Providing the need, meeting the need, doing good, serving in a way that brings glory to God. Isn't that a, a great picture and possibility that our Lord calls us into? Humility, pure humility. That's the pursuit, to have a heart that beats with pure humility, to serve others for the glory of God with no thought of self. It's a journey, though, isn't it? <laughs> And it's a painful journey. It, it, those moments that God just gives us a window into our hearts, our moments to grow. I, I, was, I thought I was making progress in this a couple weeks ago, and it was kind of a funny moment. So we'll share this. We were, as a staff, over at La Ra. We eat lunch on Tuesdays over there. And so we're about to finish, and the waiter comes up and says, hey, someone paid for your meal, like all your meals. And like, no way. Somebody it was random, but we said, who was it? And he wouldn't say. I think it was Heath Allen. He was there and snuck out. And so we're feeling just that joy of Christmas morning, like have somebody just loved us, and wow, and warmth. And so we get up to go, and then it occurs to us, hey, bless to bless, let's pay this forward. And let's, is there somebody in this restaurant that we could, we could buy their lunch? So we look over, and there's Amy Elliott and eating with a friend. And so, like, let's buy her lunch. So... We, we paid it forward, and then we went off with our day, and Tuesday, busy day, meetings, plowed on all, through all this stuff. Well, 
it just so happened that night we had a volleyball game at the high school, and I was crossing the, the gym floor just as Amy was crossing the gym floor, and she gives me this big hug and then is, uh, starts talking about something about Facebook. And I'm like, she goes, why don't you check Facebook? I don't, I don't check Facebook, but once a year on my birthday. <laughs> Horrible about that. You get better, but like, sorry. And, but the whole time I'm like, why did she give me a hug? I got back to my seat and I'm like, okay, Amy and I have been friends, but that was over the top. And um, like, why the joy and that, the, the love like that and, and Facebook? Why, what's she doing talking about? And then it occurred to me, oh, yeah. Today was the day that we paid it forward to her lunch, and she figured it out. I completely forgot about it. And I'm like, my left brain forgot what my, my right brain had been doing. And I, the thought occurred, Lord, am I making progress in this? To which I realized, nope, I'm just losing my memory. <laughs> but wouldn't it be awesome if it was like that? Like, we do good, and it's just, there's no thought. We totally forget it. I get to heaven, and somebody comes up like, hey. And uh, thank you for, for what you've done. And the Lord told me it was you. So the big question then is, if this is a possibility, how do we get there? How do we live with a heart that beats with pure, pure humility as we set out to serve and do good and be a blessing to those around us? And what I love about God's word is the hope of it. God gives us the remedy for Simon's sickness through another Simon who actually changed, Simon Peter. And he, we see moments where Peter was definitely chasing his own glory, sipping on his own honor, and yet God changed his heart. And as we work through this, there'll be discouraging moments where you realize, wow, that was done to gain attention. But uh, Simon's an encouragement to us all, and what he says is powerful truth. What he says is kind of like a filter for our motives, and it's a truth we'll soak in here for a moment. I encourage you, go back, read it, and there are five truths that form five questions that can filter our motives to help them become pure. The first one is found in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, where Peter says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So the first question to fire at our at our hearts is this, am I using the gift that I've received from God to serve others? What I love about this truth is, one, we notice what he says, each of you. Like, we all have a gift. We all have abilities and spiritual empowerment, but it's not for us. It's not like, hey, look at that gift. What's the purpose of the gift? Each of you should use whatever gift you have received. Like, I got this gift from God. It's a, a gift from him. Why? To serve others. It's about them. It's not even about us. And where, where I, there's a purifying effect to this, where this is a gift given by God to serve others, but there's also a humble confidence that comes with it to just pump us up to go do it, doesn't it? Do you feel that? Like God gifted you. He's given you something that it's valuable to go use and, and to serve others. So are you using it would be a question. Are you using it? Francis Chan, popular author, gifted guy, gifted pastor, building a church out in California, starts hearing his name more than the name of Jesus around his church. Man, you see Francis? Francis, 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 Francis. And he liked it. <laughs> He's sipping on her. So he quit. Quit pastoring, walked away from the church. 
thousands of people. He quit. And I remember as seeing that, I'm like, as another pastor, I'm like, that makes me mad. You just quit? You leave these people? So I was venting on that one day and confession to tank, like, and, and then I heard a podcast where he says, guys, this is what was going on in my story. If I had to do over again, I wouldn't have quit. I would have put Christ on the pedestal, made sure he's there, and, and continued to shepherd these people. That's a temptation, though, isn't it? When you see your own heart and God, you just, it makes you want to just walk away from it all. God says, no, don't walk away. Use your gift. Use your gift. But do so with a focus on others, serving others. And then the second filter that can help purify our hearts is found in the second part of that verse that says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Isn't that a great picture? So the the question to ask here is, am I viewing success as being a faithful steward of God's grace? Success in the kingdom of God, the true success that matters, is simply being faithful with the grace that God has given us to distribute to those around us. And I love the way this takes the pressure off. As humans, what do we do? We set, an, we set a, a standard of success, and then we say, okay, everybody's measured by that. And God doesn't do that. It doesn't matter what other people are doing, how good they are with what they're serving, and, or churches, You know, it doesn't matter the size of a church or the impact of a church. What matters is, am I being simply faithful with the gift that God's given me? I love the way one pastor says it. My job is not to fill up your cup, but to simply empty mine, right? People around us, there's always needs. You say, man, that person's doing an amazing job meeting that need. Wish I could be like them. And God's like, no, you don't have to be like anybody else. All you have to do is... Just be a faithful steward of the grace that I'm giving you. Just empty your cup. That's success. The next question we see that that can purify our motives flows out of the truth in verse 11 where he says, If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. And so the question to ask is, am I representing the Lord well with everything that I say, with all that I say? And this question is helpful in that it reminds us that as we speak, we're to be speaking as a representative of Christ, as an ambassador of heaven, so that everything I say, I'm saying, okay, is this the right way to say it? Is this the right word? Would, would the Lord say it in this way? But it also reminds us of that reality that any good thing that I have ever said that has ever helped anybody has been a word that I got from God. Right? <laughs> like, he gave me the breath to say it. He gave me the, the life change so that I would say it that way. He gave me his word to refilter how I, I say things. So I can't take credit for any good thing I say. This is so helpful for, for us as we think when we're tempted to have that pride of, oh, I gave some good advice. That was wise. Or, you know, those who have a teaching ministry or like a but I'm, any good thing I have ever said to you, it was his word that he gave me to say anyway. I can't, we can't take any credit for any word that we've said that's helped anybody on his behalf. Isn't that an awesome, purifying thought? And 
Um, he covered, he's like he's covering it all. So every word you say, and then he, he moves on. And if anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides. So any good deed that we do, the question is, am I relying on God's power, or God's strength as I serve? This question's, question helps us to rely on his strength as we serve, but also to remember every act of service has been done because he provided 100% of the energy to do it. And it just purifies. This was because of him. He provided the energy and the strength to do this. He gets all the glory. And then the last question brings us full circle back to our, our primary vocation in life. And I love the way Peter ends this. He says, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. And the question is, as I, as I set out to do good, as I set out to go blessed, is my passion that as a result of this, people will be saying, praise God for, for what just happened. Praise the Lord, and he will get all the glory and all the praise. Isn't that a great filter to run through? And so bringing it all together, it is true that we will all fa battle, really, Simon's sickness until the day we die, until Christ either comes back for us or, or takes us home. This is going to be a struggle to continue to sip on the, uh, that intoxicating drink of chasing our, our own honor. But the reality is we are resurrected people. God is recreating in us the heart of Christ, and there's hope. And as we hunger and thirst for righteousness, it is possible to actually do the right thing with the right heart. Jesus said, watch out, be careful. One of the, the disciplines we can put around it is let's do what we do with with a continuing desire to, to live with hu pure humility, not to be seen, but to see God be glorified in, in what we do. And in those moments that you've been there, if you think about a time when you just, you no longer, you forgot about yourself and you simply were seeking someone's good for the glory of God. Did you feel the freedom in that moment and the joy in that moment and just, <laughs> that's life, isn't it? What if that moment became an hour? And that hour became a day, and that day became a string of days. That's the pursuit for the glory of God and the possibility. So as I was living in this text on Thursday, we gathered in the kitchen to celebrate Tammy Eiler's birthday around some cheesecake. And if you don't know Tammy, she, is, uh, she cares, cares for our facility. 17 years she's been cleaning up our messes. And as I was watching our, our team talk and what have you, it's like the Lord just put a light from heaven upon Tammy. <laughs> and he whispered, John, she's the living example. It's her. Watch her. She does this. Her heart beats with the pure humility. And she would be mortified that I'm saying this right now. <laughs> and for that, you can take the whole Eiler family, Brent and Janae and Kayla, Live with a, a, a humility, seeking to serve. But if you know Tammy, you know it's with joy, it's with love, it's with gentleness, it's with excellence. And, and what I love about that is, and she would say it's not pure, it's not perfect, but it's possible to grow and to become And the beautiful thing is this, as Tammy cleans up our messes week after week with no one watching, 
her king is watching. And there will be a day she will stand before him. And every one of those acts of service offered with a heart of love for us and a desire for his glory will be rewarded. And in the meantime, I'll bet there's not a month that goes by that I don't find myself just stopping and saying, Lord, thank you for Tammy. Thank you not just for what she does, but the heart that she does it. And Tammy, that's her ministry, but God's given you a ministry, given me a ministry, and it's possible. May we chase it. May God help us to live with a pure heart, a heart that beats with pure humility. And so it's fitting that we gather on this last message of our pure series these last moments have really focused on what it looks like to live with pure humility at our, our Lord's Supper, where on the night that he was betrayed, just about to take our sin to the cross, suffer our hell and the hell of the guys that he'd share that meal with, they're walking up to the room, and do you remember what was happening before, on the road to the, the upper room? They were having an argument about who was greatest. They're sipping the cup that would put our Lord on the cross. But what he does, he walks in there following these guys' dirty feet. They sit around the table. No one wants to take the role of a servant and wash feet. And the one who deserves all the praise and all the glory and all the honor gets up, takes off his robe, and starts washing feet. And then when he's done, what's he say? He looks at them and he says, I've left you an example. And he looks at us as well. It says, now do as I have done for you. And if you do this, right down there in that bowl of muddy water and that dirty feet, if you do this, what's he promised? You will be, what? Blessed. This is the path to life, the blessed life. And so may his example, may the life that beats in us by his grace move us to, to do the same. And so, however, guys, come at this time and, and uh, celebrate the Lord's Supper. This is a time to remember what he did for us on the cross, but also to pray, created me a pure heart. Logistic tweak today, normally we have the bread separate. We've got the bread and juice in the same cup, so hopefully that'll make it easier just to grab both of these. But as you grab your bread and your juice, I'd encourage you to meditate on this passage. Galatians chapter 6, verse 14 says, may I... May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you for your word to us today. Thank you for the warning to watch out and just the awareness of the sickness of doing good to gain honor. I thank you for the capacity to live free from that, Lord, by your grace. Thank you for your love for us, Lord, and what you did for us on the cross. And as we take this bread, we remember your body that was broken. We remember that you bled, that you suffered, that you became the perfect sacrifice so that we might have your righteousness. As we remember your sacrifice, Father, I pray that it would fuel us not to live for our, our glory and our honor, but to live for your glory 
and your honor. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.